welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This week, we hear from cardiologist Dr. George Yakos, who answers your questions after his 90-minute presentation on how to treat chronic inflammation to help prevent heart disease. This very informative presentation can be purchased from our website, ldnrtevents.com. So my son suffered a SIRVA from a flu vaccine. At first, he had shoulder pain, but then he developed body-wide pain and inflammation. He took a number of anti-inflammatory supplements, medications, LDN, curcumin, quercetin, vitamin D. His pain and inflammation did improve for a while. Oh, and he also took BPC-157 peptide uh, and SPM. Good. His, plan- his pain and inflammation did improve for a while, but then it came back. Any thoughts about why that might have happened or what else to take? Have you ever seen BPC-157 cause inflammation or a mast cell reaction? To date, no, on that last question. And I I think the one thing um, that I would look to do is look for other sources of inflammation that are manifesting. So uh, I would go back to the beginning. Um, You know that he had some, uh, that your son had a reaction to the flu vaccine. There was some initial response I'm assuming that all of these medications are remaining the same. And if they are, it makes you wonder if there's some other inflammatory process that sort of uh, got exacerbated. Uh, So that's why when I see people initially, I don't just go for the obvious. I I will do a gut evaluation. I will look at uh, teeth and gums. Um, I will look for how people are processing things. And as a young child, I think one of the simplest things, I'm assuming this is a young son, Um, I think doing a stool analysis to see if there's anything going on with regard to a dysbiosis would be one of the first things I would look at that's simple and relatively non-invasive. But I don't think there's anything wrong with BPC-157. I would probably continue it. Um, And that's where things like thymosin and TP4 could be useful. When you have a highly inflamed state, those peptides can be very helpful in reducing inflammation. And then, of course, LDN, uh, anything anything you can do to... um, reduce NF-kappa-B activation. Dr. Yakos, can you speak to the situation? 60-year-old man with ApoE4 gene, high cardiac calcium score, has very low cholesterol, fasting blood glucose, high 90s, was put on a statin. What would you do in this case? So that ApoE4 gene is highly responsive to lifestyle modification. Um, And Again, I'm not sure that I would drop uh, LDLs very low. Uh, I would look for these other modalities to try to reverse that cardiac calcium score that we talk about, such as phosphatidylcholine um, using K2. Um, But that ApoE4 gene is highly responsive to uh, lifestyle modification, Mediterranean diet, uh, fasting. and there may be um, some peptides that could be very helpful in the way the ApoE4 is manifesting. 
um, and maybe look for other natural ways to lower cholesterol so that he, uh, this person's not as reliant on statins, which could have some detrimental effect given ApoE4's uh, predilection for also causing uh, cognitive issues long-term. Um, but again, um, lifestyle modification, I think is the best. Can you spell out the device worn by the weightlifter to track? Yeah, it's P as in Peter, N as in Norman, O as in Oscar, E as in um, Edward. Pinoe machine, um, very, uh, very useful. Uh, what was his cutoff number for RDW? So um, again, if you if you look at all lab numbers, the labs are what set the um, the normal standards, and um, I I believe somewhere between the the highest quintile was somewhere between thirteen and fourteen. Uh, it might have been thirteen point five to fourteen. I could um, I have footnotes at the uh, at the bottom of this where you might be able to pull the article. Or I'll try to send that out to you later. Um, Okay, anonymous attendee. Chronic low blood pressure for someone. Chronic low blood pressure for someone postmenopausal and in 60s. Nothing are good on common cardiovascular glucose labs. Total cholesterol 190 to 240. Triglycerides always around 75. Fasting HDL 70 to 80. But BP can normally be 90 to 95, 60 to 65 heart rate 65 to 75, but sometimes lower heart rate. BP drops after exercise, five flights or 30 minutes cycling to 70. Interesting. BP rises appropriately during exercise. I exercise moderately three times a week and in general, an active energetic person. Question, providers are only concerned with BP being too high. How do you feel about low blood pressure on a daily basis? Is it all, is it all a good thing or are there problems? Okay, so just to not be, um, I'm not going to be dismissive. It's very important that you are the one person that should do what every doctor tells every other patient not to do. You should have plenty of salt in your diet, number one. Uh, number two, I think it's important that you just look for other uh, infectious causes, check your dental health, check your gut. It sounds like you're a relatively healthy person if you're able to do what you're doing. Um, so this could be your normal and seeing very low numbers, uh, where you're going into the seventies, I think is not good if that's accurate. Uh, and eating salt should be part of your everyday regimen. So whenever you're going to get eat, if you're going to have lunch, have some salty pretzels and plenty of fluid. Uh, if you have breakfast, salt your eggs. I think that's, uh, that's okay. And you might actually find you're not dropping as much after, um, after this routine. I'm not seeing any medications being listed here, but if you're on blood pressure medications, you might want to consider come off, coming off of those. Um, how do you feel about citrus pectin in general and for general detox? I think it's very powerful uh, and may even have some um, antibacterial, antiviral uh, uses. So that's, that's absolutely fine. Can you define how to determine calcium deficiency not supplement unless deficient. Well, um, when you look at your calcium levels, if they're low, especially in contrast to your albumin level, um, and you don't have a hormonal reason for it to be low, that would be a good reason to uh, replace it. So 
Uh, if you have uh, low calcium levels, or you're checking your PTH, or you're checking your vitamin D, um, and you always have to correlate it with your albumin levels to make sure that the calcium level that's being reported is appropriate. Um, how much K do you recommend? Honestly, uh, especially in women, it seems the more the better. And I'm talking about K2 specifically, not necessarily K1. Uh, periodic EEEC, helpful to someone with low blood pressure for perfusion. Um, I think its indication is, and we're talking about EECP, which is enhanced external counterpulsation. Uh, definitely useful in people who have uh, anginal symptoms um, that can't be treated uh, throughout conventional methods or in heart failure. For low blood pressure in and of itself, uh, I've never used it for that, but just so you know, heart failure patients on maximal therapy tend to have very low blood pressures and it does help with perfusion. Um, so absent any heart failure, could it be helpful? Probably, but it's in heart failure that we usually, it's usually in that uh, clinical scenario that we're using EECP. I'm on LDN six milligrams each morning. I increasingly have, where is that? I increasingly have low lymphocytes over the last two years. Natural killer cells are normal, but CD4 and CD8s have dropped. Hematology evaluation is inconclusive and eliminates any cancers. Is it possible LDN has this effect? Over the last couple of years, I have gone from 4.5 and 6, and I could easily be on 4.5 at this time to control my chronic pain, for which it is highly effective and it has improved my gut issues. I'm going to have to plead ignorance on this one. However, if you can take lower doses of LDN and still achieve the effect you were looking for and then remeasure your numbers, I think that's a very safe experiment uh, to see if LDN is having a, a, an impact. Um, I don't know if anybody else could answer that question. Um, sorry, I see the immunodeficiency mentioned in the last screen. Is there any documentation I can share with my doctors to consider LDN as contributing? Would it be a good test to measure absolute limps, come off the LDN for a few weeks? I start to have pain in two to three weeks and then start again. Uh, I, I imagine that's the same attendee. Um, I would start by cutting back first before stopping and reassessing. Can you say more about 1.5 to 4.5 milligrams of LDN is immunomodulatory and six milligrams is immunosuppressive? Does that mean one should not go above 4.4? I think that's a general, um, that was on a, on, a, on a web search that I did where they can see some elements of immunosuppression at six milligrams, but I know plenty of people on it long-term at six milligrams. Um, I think what I, what, the best thing to say is low dose is up to 4.5 and anything above that, whoever has been uh, managing, you should try to touch base and maybe reassess what's happening from uh, a white blood cell perspective. Uh, I take Jomar Labs black label amino acids orally. Will that provide peptides systematically as need or peptides need to be delivered as peptides? So as you're getting older, uh, there are things that are impacting your own natural endogenous peptides. 
Um, and sometimes when it comes to growth hormone, releasing hormone, you have the ability to release just as much growth hormone in your 80s as you do when you're in your teens. Um, but it's not happening. And a lot of times it has to do with the way ghrelin's working, with the signaling. So you can actually put these peptides together, signal the pituitary to do its normal function. Um, taking amino acids is important. And obviously having a supply of all the essential amino acids available in your body for your body to build things is, uh, is a good idea. Uh, but it won't necessarily create the peptides that you need for whatever problem you're trying to address. Um, that's, uh, I think that's the best answer. So yes, amino acids are good, but they won't necessarily produce the peptides that you need to get that effect that you're looking for. Uh, what is the role of homocysteine in cardiovascular disease? Um, well, it seems to be an independent risk factor for developing cardiovascular disease and having cardiovascular events and cerebrovascular events. Um, so I think supplying the substrate that allows homocysteine to be within the normal range is important. Um, and I think that's the best thing that could be said about homocysteine. Okay, well, we've come to the end of our questions. Does anybody else have any more questions? This is your last chance to get them answered. Anybody? I think they're all absolutely shocked and stunned. I hope in a good way. But, oh, yes, all the information. I mean, it's fantastic information there. Um, you have another question. If HSCRP indicates inflammation is present, what can be, what is being impacted by determined, what is being impacted be determined? Heart veins, thyroid, pancreas, et cetera. I'm not sure what that question means. Um, it's gonna be released anytime IL-6 is being, um, process through the liver. Uh, so that inflammation is supposed to be endothelial in origin, is the purpose of why they developed high sensitivity to C-reactive protein. And yet, you can actually see elevations in HSCRP um, when there's other inflammatory events, but it's supposed to be endothelium specific. Um, I hope that answers the question. Uh, what is the substrate for homocysteine normal range? In other words, why am I coming up with nine as a number and I could, again, I, if you guys can send me this, these questions afterward, I could sort of send you the answers back with the references would be the way I could do that. Uh, have you seen any adverse reactions in people with low catecholamines, extreme stress? Um, I think the one thing that I've, I've, I'm hoping I'm getting wiser every year, but I think the one thing that uh, I'm learning is too low and too high are a problem, just right. So we, we want the Goldilocks zone for almost everything when it comes to peptides, hormones, or catecholamines. Um, so if you're having low catecholamines, obviously you need to assess your adrenal gland. You need to see what's happening with the substrate that produces these catecholamines. Are your tryptophans running low? Are your um, other, other amino acids running low? And that's why your catecholamines are running low. And these are things you could pick up on, um, on Dutch testing. Um, on assays of how your mitochondria are functioning, assays on how your amino acids are being processed and how your proteins are being processed. Are there other peptide recommendations for inflammation 
and also wound healing and cartilage repair. Yeah, so uh, the combination of BPC-157 and TB4 are ideal for these kinds of things. They even take BPC-157 if there's an acute injury, um, and instead of taking it subcutaneously, uh, they'll actually break up the dose and inject it around the area where the, um, uh, the injury has occurred. Obviously, if you're going deep inside, that would be something you would want an orthopedist to do. So you would need an orthopedist who's comfortable injecting those peptides. Uh, what type of niacin and how much do you usually prescribe? So um, I think the niacin, what's important to know is that you need to take it more than once a day um, and minimum of 50 milligrams. Um, and I'm talking about niacinamide right now. Um, yeah, obviously, when you get to the really high doses of niacin, you can get a lot of the side effects. But if you're taking it multiple times a day, niacinamide, and you're looking to do this for the purposes of feeding your mitochondria what it needs, that would be the way I would approach it. Um, but there's a lot of other ways to increase your NAD. If, if this is for the purposes of increasing your NAD levels, there's a lot of ways to do that that don't necessarily come from uh, taking exogenous uh, niacinamide. Now, if you're talking about niacin for the purposes of lowering cholesterol, um, I will usually start very slow. And this is not a practice that many people follow these days because of some data related to carotid interval thickening. But um, I, I always started low when it comes to niacin. 500 milligrams, you take it at bedtime, you take it with a full dose aspirin, all for ways to try to improve compliance so that people don't get that itching, um, that uh, hot flash you can get with niacin dosing and obviously long-acting niacin in those situations. And you gradually build it up. I've had people as high as 2.5 grams and they were getting fantastic cholesterol lowering numbers. Um, but I'm not really doing that that much these days, uh, but that's how I would use it. Uh, low calcium meaning below lab range or is there a functional range? Uh, it would be, well, Below lab range is going to be the easiest answer. I wouldn't know what the functional range is on the low side. The key point is don't ingest calcium without vitamin D. And if your, normal, if your numbers are in the normal range, there is a propensity for this calcium not to get into the bones where it's needed, and it gets into the vessels where, uh, where the problems can arise. Uh, meant how to get homocysteine into normal range if above nine. Uh, B-complex vitamins, folic acid uh, would be the way to do that. And, and, and for people who have SNPs, where they have a problem with methylation, you want to take methylated B vitamins and methylated folic acid. Um, when starting LDN, I'm not sure what that means. I think the HSCRP questioner was asking if high... Can it be determined from where in the body the inflammation is coming? Um, not a specific locale, but you're supposed to be suspicious of endothelial inflammation. So I, 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 it's not that specific where you can actually say it's coming from the heart, it's coming from a carotid artery, or it's coming from the abdominal aorta. Uh, so hopefully that answers that. How do you see, do you do telemed? Yes, I do telemed for cardiology and I do telemed for functional medicine. Uh, does quercetin work for reducing flushing with niacinamide? I do not remember seeing it mentioned. Isn't it good for cardiovascular system? So niacinamide is good 
for mitochondrial function. So it's absolutely good for the cardiovascular system. Quercetin as an antioxidant, um, I would say is wonderful to take. Um, can be used in uh, many different circumstances. I personally never used it to reduce flushing from niacin. Um, if you've had that experience, I'll try it out, but I, I never used it for that purpose. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.